Hello everyone on a wet Wednesday afternoon. It's James Scott and Adam here for another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Guys, how are we? Yeah, good. I wish this weather would make up its mind. Yeah, just just watching the news as we speak if something was to break in the next hour or so. Now, in true Brisbane Football Review fashion, you do know that that's actually got, not going to happen until about 20 minutes after we finish recording, I'm right? just making sure. Yeah. Yes. We're on, we're on high alert. <laughs> yeah, so we've got Scott monitoring the emails. Adam, you're monitoring the Twitter feed, I'm assuming? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> It, it's a, it's an audio medium. You don't actually have to... Mon- <laughs> just play along with wasn't the game. convincing enough. Yes. All right, we're here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Um, contact plugs. You can email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review. We're still working on changing that. It's a very long story. Twitter, at BNE Football. Uh, don't have Instagram or Snapchat. And our podcast, which I'm guessing you're listening to on one of iTunes, uh, Wooshka, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, or TuneIn. Actually, remembered all of those. So, all all good. We're all good podcasts are found. Yes, and ours. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, we're going to go with two segments today for today's show. I don't think I've got the attention span to just talk for fifty-five minutes straight like I did last week. That was a bit of a stretch, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially especially when I started getting really fidgety from about the forty-five yeah. minute mark. So, segment one is going to be a recap of the weekend that was. And we're going to start off with A League Round Twenty Three, Brisbane Rule One, Sydney FC Three, and well, Sydney FC led for all up, I think, about 81 of 90 minutes in this game as Aaron Calver scored basically by the time I'd uh, taken a, stock of who was actually playing What a fantastic where. start that was, really. I mean, For Sydney, yeah. Yeah, well, dreadful free kick to give away, and the marking for the goal is just awful. I know Darren Davies talked about how there was some holding in the box, and they identified a certain issue in the box that Sydney do at set pieces, but either way, it's just... Diabolical defending. They have two weeks preparation coming into that game, and to have that piece of defending in the first forty seconds, it's just it is diabolical. Yeah, it looks like an offside trap that went wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, I think um, yeah, it's a case of the best laid plans just get wiped out inside forty seconds. And look, I I would I would have suspected that Raw went into that game with a game plan, but when you can see that early and probably that poorly as well, um, yeah, it just throws everything up in a heap. Well, speaking of that game plan, one thing that really stood out for me was they seem to really want to try and get Eli Babal involved yeah. from the start. Um, you know, with long balls into into his feet and letting him try to play play through uh, Eric Bortiak and Dylan Wenzel Halls. It was really noticeable when he held the ball up, which he was really good at. He would instinctively turn to the right and look for Wenzel Halls running down that side. It was happened two or three times in their first fifteen tournaments, and they all could have got something more out of it. It was a it's they all really lacked that in the front third this year. I think having that player who can hold the ball up and release players because it's not Adam Taggart's game, and they haven't really had anyone since he left who can fill that role. So. Alibaba's filling a really specific need right now, having two quick players in the in wide positions, and he can release them. Well, that and also, like you remember that uh, game against Sydney back in was it February? Yeah. Where, um, where the like the Raw's goal basically came from Adam Taggart turning into a hold-up man. Yeah. And not the Bonnie and Clyde style hold-up man. Was that his last game? I think it might have been actually. Because yeah. I remember he played through Mickelson for that winner and. 
sort of set yep. up the pass for that Wenzel Hall pounced on for the uh, what turned out to be the winning goal. Anyway, let's hear from uh, Raw coach Darren Davies after the game. So, um, you know, we've worked all week, you know, have a good start. And that's out the window in 13 seconds. So uh, the, the decision for the free kick to, to commit to the foul was, was not, not, not good. And then he's got a free header inside the six-yard box. What I will say is Ninkovic starts offside. And then Eliwood Balge is blocked from getting back in. And then Calva gets a free header because Eliwood Balge is marking Calva. So Ninkovic, we actually identified it in the set pieces. Ninkovic starts offside, he drifts back in, and he's, he's in offside position. He's affecting the defenders getting back in. But that, that was that. 1-0 down, and I thought they were the better team in the first half. Um, but we were still in the game. Um, you know, I don't think they, they, I don't think Yangi had another major save to make. So you know, we spoke about still being in the game at half-time. Then we came out, got to 60-65 minutes, made positive subs, changed formation, um, scored a good goal, get back in the game, and then we think, right, okay, and then, you know, as you quite rightly said, then, you know, the quality that came off the bench was uh, was very strong for them. And, yeah, they, they, they ran out with, with them in the end. What were you thinking there when you, uh, when Eric scored? Did you think, you know, your chance, you know, what do you think you had? Like, Steve was saying how it's hot here and how they, you know, yeah. what were you thinking? Uh, was there a chance? Yeah, for sure, Mark. You know, we spoke about, uh, we spoke about um, staying in the game. Um, you know, and, and, and then we, you know, as you as you could see, we had a, a very attacking bench. You know, we had we had three attackers on there, out and out. You know, so we were going to go for it. You know, we were going to go, you know, go for the victory. So it won all. Then we were we were well poised for that. Um, you know, but then conversely, as I say, their 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 quality comes off the bench as well. And um, you know, yeah, as I say, they're, they're good players, aren't they? You know, when, when when players like that come on and have an influence on the game the way they did. So. Dust ourselves down, move on, and um, you know, four, four to go now. So that was Darren Davies there uh, in the post-match press conference, which you two were in attendance for. And what, are, what was I going to say there? Yeah, oh, that's right. I thought I was going crazy about 15 minutes into the first half when I was when I noticed Matt Mackay playing alongside Ruin Tongik and Jacob Pepper at centre back. Adam. Yeah, look, we think that um, there was a bit of uh, sort of changing formations where basically Matt Mackay was actually filling in. He was coming into the back line as basically that third centre-back inside um, Pepper and uh, Tongik. Now, I thought it was relatively... And he actually, I thought, did a really good job. Like... um, Look, at the end of the day, when you concede after 40 seconds, you worry about the fact that, you know, will, they, will there be a second, will there be a third? But they did stem yeah. the tide somewhat. And I think that that was partially to do with Matt Mackay actually, you know, really and sort of solidifying that back line. It didn't help yeah. him in attack too much, other than, you know, the, the hold-up ball from, you know, Babal out to either winger, which in the first half yeah. was mostly to Wenzel Halls. But, um, yeah, I think at least it gave him a bit of stability with Mackay dropping in to the um, back line. Well, you say it didn't help them too much with attack, but I did think it gave them that ball-playing uh, option out of the back as well. It did, and when the Raw did push forward into that front, uh, Mackay did push further forward than the defenders, almost into a holding midfield role, so he did push forward and it became more of a back four in possession, but defensively, right, it was a back five. Yeah. It was It was interesting to kind of play like a dual role, so I'm not, I think it was Danny Elvis did that for Barcelona a few years ago, played right back and right wing in the same game. 
That's and Matt Mackay right. kind of did something pretty similar in playing centre back and centre midfield. In Matt Mackay, yeah. Danny Alves, yeah, same, yeah, same level of player. Yeah, well, just was, a similar sort of role playing point. both <laughs> playing two different roles in the same game is the point I was making. Oh yeah, no, I agree. But we were, we were joking this time last week about you know that will Matt Mackay play centre back against Sydney <laughs> yes. FC again, and it, he actually almost yeah. did. Um, yeah, the, the Raw did get an equaliser, though. It was a fantastic cross from Nick D'Agostino in, in a very early involvement for him. Yeah, look, um, obviously that he didn't leave his form in Cambodia because he, he, when he came on, he made a media impact. And it was, it was a really, really good cross to find Eric Botiak um, at, at the far post. He had a chance just before that, didn't he, D'Agostino? Yeah. He came on there. But I thought Botiak had a really interesting game as well because... There was a point in the first half where it looked like he was getting really frustrated with the way things were going. Yeah, and he it looked like he, on someone yeah, right in front of me, actually. It looked like it could have been going yeah. down the path of the Melbourne victory game mm-hmm. again, but he managed to channel that frustration into a more positive output and scored a really good goal at the end of it. So it was an interesting little game for him, but a good finish as well. I will say one thing about Darren Davies is that, you know, he's not with his, with his uh, subs. He always seems to be wanting to go for it. He, and he's, he's very unapologetic about that. You know, they, he wants to try and chase the game. In fact, well, mind you, most of the times he's chasing the game anyway. Yes. But there always seems to be positive substitutions. You know, and the D'Agostino one you know, was definitely a positive substitution. And it paid off in some regard. It also probably helps that you know, most of the healthy options are attackers. I was going to say you can't bring defence on if you haven't got any. That's yes, exactly. <laughs> but either way, you know, it's... A- yeah, it's a work in progress, yeah. I suppose. But, yeah, it was nice to see Bortiak get the goal there. Unfortunately, Sydney, well, I don't I don't think I'm really going out on a limb saying they're a much better side and had much better subs to call on. Yeah, they kind of won up the roar in terms of their defensive substitutions and the impact of them. Because it wasn't just um, De Jong, which we'll get to in a minute. I thought Reza when he came on, was absolutely fantastic. Come on, save When he came on, he was absolutely fantastic in terms of his ability to get in behind and create things. I mean... It was it was actually Gushenos who created both opportunities for them at the end of the day. I mean, I thought he had a fantastic impact off the bench. For oh, we, we know that um, with a Gushenos, he he is a quality player, and you know to be sort of you know on the bench as such, and you know, coming to impact like him and Alex Bross seem to be sharing time, you know, starting. But yeah, you know, look, he is a quality player, and, you know, and you know, it's no surprise that that bench. That's such that an city. insult, that by the way. Which was comparing Reza and Brosk. That's such goal. an insult. No, no, I wasn't comparing. That's I was just such saying. an insult saying they play the same sharing, position. No, Being on the, time. Making way for him. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Razor's hair isn't painted on. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. go ahead, Adam. Look, it was, it was a look. It was a quality bench. You know, when you, can, when you bring on you know, Josh Belonte, Reza Gushanjad, um, Sim De Jong, and Dana Silva, who didn't even make it onto yeah. the field as a new sub, look, you're going to be confident that you're going to run over most teams, not little known the ninth place Raw. Remember when yeah. the Raw were linked with Danny De Silva last off-season? Fun times, oh, though. Yeah, I remember Didn't that. they have him up here at one point showing him around? Yeah, yeah. they had lunch, uh, had dinner at, I'm pretty sure, Gambaro's just near the stadium. But so what I rem- so Villarreal. Yeah. What I remember for that, though, was that was when I was training for Gold Coast Marathon. I went on a 24k training run. As I left, the story was like coming out that the Aloises were dining with Danny De Silva, and I was really excited. By the time I got about halfway through that run, it said, oh, it looks like Daniel De Silva's off and he might be going to Melbourne City. And when I was about two k's from home, it said, oh, by the way, the Roar have actually, um, the Roar have actually signed uh, Stefan Moore. Yeah. 
That was all in the space yeah. of about two hours. It's a good negotiating point, isn't it? Bring Danny De Silva up just to sign I, Stefan Walker. I like the plan. I was freaking out because all, yeah. all I was following was what you two were messaging in our yeah. group chat and what was popping up from the Twitter notifications mm. on my watch mm. while I was running around South Bay. <laughs> anyway. Could that, do with Stefan Walker at the moment too. Yeah, well, could do with anyone right now. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Sam De Jong, what a... Utterly ridiculous goal. <laughs> uh, I said on the post game show that's it's just that's just class. We knew we know he is a you know a very very good player. You know, when I say an excellent player, and that, that just when you have skills like that, you know, look, this, that's the A League goalkeeper of the year. He absolutely yeah. bamboozled, and yeah. look, that's I guess you know it's a bit of a trick shot, and I guess, and it's, you know you got to yourself and applaud. He absolutely sold Jamie Young down the river, didn't he? With that, it was. Yeah. Brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant to watch that. To see, we haven't seen too many goals like that at Suncorp this year, but that was fantastic stuff. I don't know. The For the 8,000 people who were there. Yeah. I went to Halls, actually. That's a good point. That he's, winner against City. He's got a couple of really good goals, to be fair. Yeah. Good point. Uh, anyway, I think that's about it for the A-League segment. There's not much more we can talk about. No. no. So let's move on to Saturday night and uh, start talking about the local football with the NPL Round 9. And uh, you two were at Perry Park for Brisbane City versus yeah. Brisbane Strikers, and importantly, yeah. did you stay dry? Because it was absolutely miserable for a while on Saturday evening. The Estadio de Paris was in fantastic condition, actually. <laughs> it was in How fant- long have you had that saved? I've been saying that for, for yeah. a year now, calling it that, but it was in fantastic condition, actually. It's normally one of the first guys you expect that mm. goes gets ruled out when rain hits, but it was... It held up really well. It didn't appear to be any sort of surface water at all. It played really well, and it was in fantastic condition. Probably the best condition I've seen. And we've obviously seen it in some awful, awful states for FFA Cup games and like, but it was in great shape on Saturday night. Just ask Kevin Musket about the quality of yeah. that. Look, I, yeah, because I, I got there about an hour before kickoff and went absolutely pelted down. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh no, is this going to be post by the last minute? But look, it actually held up pretty well. And you know, by kickoff time, yeah, you didn't really see much effect from it. Yeah, it, I you know was admittedly a little bit out of it with NPL for reasons I'll get onto in a little while, but yep. I, I was actually surprised around about five when it was just pelting down. How many, how many yeah. of those games we were just waiting yeah. to hear? Yep, can't go ahead. Well, but in I, the end, only one actually wound up getting. Uh, I was tanned. half expecting Two. a text from Two. Adam. I was driving through the Gabba and it was pouring out. I was half expecting Adam to text me saying, "Yeah, the game's been called off." Yeah, but it it went ahead and it was. Uh, oh, that's right. Two did get postponed. My it bad, was so. an. Interesting game at Perry Park, anyway. Yeah, 3-1 to Brisbane City, so things are still looking up there for the... Uh, I don't know if we can call them the Citizens. Uh, why not? Azuri? Yeah, I'll go, let's go with Azuri. Pizzeria? <laughs> no, let's call them the Azuri. It was a tough week from last week, obviously, as we cover, but they bounced back really well. They thoroughly deserved their win here, particularly in the second half. They just ran all over Brisbane Strikers. It, the longer this game would have gone... If they had gone another half now, it would have been 6-1. The way they were running over the top of them, I mean, they just... The strikers had no answers for them. Their, yeah. their, big, their big players stepped yeah. up, you know, Adam Edgar and um, John Castle also, you yeah. know, two sort of, you know, very, very good goals. And, and you know, Alex Fechner, you know, started the role, you know, after I think it was 30 seconds, I think, in the second half um, from from a uh, from a defensive mistake from strikers at the back. And that I think from that point, we thought, oh, the... City just got to run away with it. So, look, that was their first win in ten against uh, against the Strikers. So they've sort of yep. that's, a, that's a bit of a milestone themselves. And look, they're at least uh, off the bottom, and uh, it, the only way is up for them. And I suppose it should also be mentioned, you know, how 
good is uh, how good are the Fechner brothers looking right now? Because it seems like they're involved pretty much every week for City now. I think it's the case of yeah, they sort of, I guess they're being rewarded you know for good seasons last season that you know they they both they both seem to be regular starters now. Um, look, other. We're saying that they always the shadow of after they lost their six points, that you know are they in trouble? You know what? This, that side is there's too much quality in that side. Um, yeah. The defence I think is still a bit young, and I think they they probably need like they're decent players, but I think they're not the best go you know, group of uh, defenders in the league. But they'll, they'll get better. But I think attacking wise, I think they've got plenty of problems. I think you know, I, I they'll be fine. I think they'll be mid table. I think finals to give them the way. The top four are separating from the pack. It might be a bit too far even here, you know, coming to round 10. But, look, yeah. I think they'll be fine. I do agree with you on the attack. And on the Fechner brothers, they're probably two of the more underrated young players in the competition. Guys like Jez Lofthouse get a lot more attention because of what they've been able to do on the national stage and the cup and all the rest of it. But, the rest of it. but they're two of the better young players in the competition. And they are really emerging into key players for Brisbane City in that midfield area. Yeah. Anyway, um, some of the other results from uh, this weekend as well. You had uh, Brisbane Royal... Uh, youth going down to eastern suburbs. East, well, they're slowly getting their players back as well. Yep. And then in a game where I might have said in a public forum that I was expecting a whole lot of goals in, Olympic beat Morton Bay 1-0 on Sunday up. You expected a lot of goals though, did you? Yeah. You've obviously not paying attention to Morton Bay. No, but I've been paying attention to Olympic. The Great Wall of of Brendale as they're building (laughs) up there. They're a very solid side, Morton Bay. Defensively, they're very stout and resolute. And they actually could have Got more mm. out of this game as we talked about on Sunday in our post-game show. Yeah, a couple of chances that they had, they really, they really should have scored. And if they had a score, they might have taken more out of this game than they'd got because they got nothing. But they played really well. Yeah, I know. I know Coach Purinabi. He was very disappointed that you know they didn't get more out of this because it, what beat them was just a brilliant goal from yeah. Alex Smith. Yeah. I think, as sort of was noted, um, very few players in the NPL would have the ability to score. Yeah the way he scored and from the position he scored from. So at, yeah. at the end of the day, Alex Smith, he was the game winner yeah. literally on uh, Sunday night. It's a good point because uh, Morton Bay is almost in a similar position to where Olympic were a year ago. They've got a lot of really good parts, good defensively, good in midfield, some nice attack pieces. They're just missing that one focal point up front who can piece things together. Lions found Marek Mudley last year. Olympic got Alex Smith last year and those two sides kicked on really well. And... If, if Morton Bay could somehow find somebody, and I do have a name from an idea in a minute, but if they can get somebody in who can fill that role, they have a really good team. They could build something really strong there. So it's a, good, a good striker yeah. around Chalmer Rop. That yeah. would be, that would well, be very, very interesting. Is, about, that, is your suggestions initials also the same as a famous chocolate? No. No? no okay, it's not like, one thinking it's of? The, um, the, remember Kansas City? Yeah. Um, Josh Taylor. Oh, okay. He scored a lot of goals up there for Kansas City. I think he was in the top five of the golden boot last year. I'm not sure where he's playing this year, actually, unfortunately, because it's obviously Kansas City aren't in the NPL this year and the whole team's disbanded. But if you could somehow get a, get him to come down to Brisbane and play in that Morton Bay side, working around Sean Morop and the rest of them, that could be something really formidable. It's, it's not so I don't like the attacking bows they have. It's just the one extra piece on top of it to complement them all mind you, and bring out the best of their talent. I think it could work really well. Sorry, just one, one final point on that. Mind you, you got, we also got from that game, we, we noted in the post-game show, um, look, as you said, Morton Bay could have easily been in the lead if it wasn't for Brandon yeah. Kubernau's save yep. on Declan Smith. So, you know, again, that's a game that one chance, one goal, and Olympic yeah. finish all three points. All right. Now, what was I saying? Uh, you were reading through the NPL results. That's right, I was. You'd think <laughs> I would have had more coffee by now. 
Um, yeah, Southwest Queensland, 1-0 over Sunshine Coast Fire. Big three points for Southwest, Southwest yep. Queensland. And Lions actually suffered their first loss in what feels like an eternity. Oh, it's only eight games? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's not as good, not as, good as uh, some other sides. But Gold Coast Knights managed to get up 1-0 uh, in... What could be a match that we'll be seeing again in a couple of months' time? It was, from all reports, a fantastic match between the two sides. Caught a little bit of it on the live stream after full-time at Perry Park, and it seemed like a game where Lions were pushing forward and their attacking woes at the moment just continued on. They couldn't find a way through what is a resolute Gold Coast team who just scored a nice goal. Yeah, Jared Cole with the winner there. Well, if the game is as good as you say it is, Scott, you know you can actually watch all of these games live on the Football Queensland YouTube channel. I was and on watch- delay on the Football Queensland YouTube channel. I was watching it on the Football Queensland <laughs> yeah, we <were. laughs> YouTube channel from about the 60th minute onwards after and the full-time Thank God you were he- sending through heckling comments to another uh, game. You know what? Yeah, yeah, I will- you, can th- you can thank the uh, Knights-Lions game yeah. for saving, saving those said uh, heckling Because <laughs> they were all ready to go. <laughs> yeah, but we got distracted. By, by a hell of a game, so... Yes. It's where the football queens they find these commentators from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. These FQPL commentators these days, where do they get them from? Uh, well, yeah. one was right here. <laughs> <laughs> so how was that game, actually, between well, Holland Park and Logan Lightning? The game you called. It was pretty one-sided, actually. Like, in all fairness, you know, Logan look, did look like a step above Holland Park. Yep. Um, what, what we are referring to, of course, is the F. Feature FQPL game yeah. Saturday night um, out at Cornubia Park where I was on commentary. So it was a it was an interesting game though. Where it was very open, a lot of chances both ways, and even though the final score finished, I think it was six two in the end, yeah. it was still one of those ones where when um, Holland Park managed to bring it back to four two, I was admittedly more optimistic than hopeful, yeah. but. Um, you, know, you yeah. still kind of felt like there could have been more goals in the game. Unfortunately, they went yeah. Logan's way That's... and made it. A pretty one-sided score. That's line. not too surprising. Yeah, Logan were very, very close to finishing the top two last year, getting promotion to the NPL. So they're a really good side, probably in line to go up this year alongside Sunshine Coast Wanderers. So that's not too surprising that they proved too good in the end. But I do think they've got, they've still got a few little areas that yep. you know want to that might warrant some um, working on. But yeah, like there was it was an interesting. I, that was another game I was actually expecting to get yeah. uh, called off as well. Like, because <laughs> it was pelting down, and I thought, oh, you know, it's gonna. Had a no double header out there, didn't they? Pardon? Had a double header out. Yes, they did. They had the yeah. uh, NPLW game with Darren Lutton out there beforehand, and yeah, it was it was actually a, it was a good night out yeah. there in the end. I quite enjoyed it, and that's good. I'll be back again on the uh, FQ commentary this weekend, I believe. Feel free to send your heckling comments in yep. too. The Football Queensland Facebook <laughs> and YouTube pages. <laughs> I believe they've turned the comments off to YouTube now. I didn't. I had them turned off for the live stream games this okay, week. Okay, so send the comments through on Facebook. Which is probably a good thing given the nature of those comments on the YouTube channel. They weren't yeah. overly constructed to say the least. Yeah, not so much focus on the game. All right, uh, just quickly, uh, the other NPL result that we haven't touched on, Gold Coast United for uh, Magpies Crusaders nil, And the post-by-match, which I believe is being played tonight, round about now, actually. Uh, assuming the weather hasn't washed it out again. Yes, Western Pride against Penn Power. So, mm. yeah, um... Continue on with uh, FQPL results as well. So you had uh, Sunshine Coast Wanderers 4-1 over Rochdale. Southside Eagles 3-3 against Mitchelton. Souths 1-3 against going down 1-3 to Ipswich Knights. And uh, Kapalabar FC beating Wolves FC 4-2. In the Bayside derby. Yes. Well, um, Sunshine Coast Wanderers, a big um, a big win over Rochdale. Um, that's in, that, in a switch venue 
that was supposed to be played up at Ballinger Park, but got switched uh, because of the weather at the last minute. And I think uh, Wanderers, uh, I think, enjoyed their home away from home because that, that's a very good win there. Yeah. Uh, their perfect season continues. Yeah. Yes. Played 4 1 4, scored 12, conceded 4. That's a good sign. Very much heading in that peninsula power route in terms of dominating mm. the competition. Yeah, and. As we said before. And, they, and they were also last year in the mix for yep. a long way as well to, to earn promotion as well. So that's no surprise. Yep. But th- I think it's a very even FQPL uh, at the moment. Even uh, I think Mitchelton and um, Southside Eagles, a three-all draw there. That's uh, that, that's a bit of a shock because I thought Mitchelton would be on paper a lot stronger. But uh, Well, I believe, if my reading of the schedule is correct, I will be able to... Prov- present a first-hand account of Southside Eagles and Rochdale as of Sunday. Oh, good. Looking forward to hearing about that next week. Yes, and just quickly, uh, NPL women's as well that uh, we should uh, go <laughs> through. Morton Bay 3, South United 1, Gold Coast United 5, South West Queensland 0, uh, Logan 2, Eastern Suburbs 1, that was the game uh, yep. beforehand, uh, Lions 8, Mitchelton 1, and I don't know why, but every time I seem to be paying attention to light, uh, to Lions, they seem to win by seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that makes it. They have a high, very high-powered attack. Yes, there were two interesting games in this thing. I mean, Morton Bay winning at South United—that's a big result for Morton Bay, continuing on their fantastic start to the season, and they look a really, really strong team. But the other one, which you're going to get to in a minute, that's the big Capalabar surprise. Capalabar four gap nil. That's the big surprise yeah. to see the gap. To not see Capalabar going so well because they've had a great start as well. I think they're top of the table at the moment, but. They are. There's not many teams who beat the gap by that sort of a convincing scoreline in the MPL. Well, considering that that was double the amount of goals the gap had conceded yeah. in their previous four games. Yeah. That's that, highly un- out of character for them. Yeah, no, it's it, but there's, there's no question. 35 goals, you know, so far in seven games for Kapalabar in this league. I know they copped a couple of boosts to that, mm. but... Look, you've got to have the players to be able to go and score those goals, and they actually look... Um, they, they and Morton Bay look to pick at the moment. All right, now we are going to keep moving... Um, and just quickly touch on NPL coming up this weekend because there is one game that stands out above all else. And Sunshine I... Coast and Redlands? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that stands out. Shots fired. <laughs> but we've also... Uh, well, it's the grand final rematch between yeah. Lions and Olympic on Sunday, I believe. Saturday night. Saturday night. And this is what Ben Khan had to say about that grand final rematch. Always looking forward to those games, you know. They're, they're, they're the big games, uh, you know. We know them well. We, we had a, you know, some good games with them last year, and each of those games came down to, to really fine margins. Um, and I expect it to be exactly the same uh, this year. I, you know, I know that we've improved, so uh, we'll back ourselves to uh, to go there and, and break them down. And that was Ben Khan speaking after their one nil win in the Sunday night fixture, which I spent a lot of time on Saturday night talking up the potential for goals there. So good on me. Well, there was a goal. There could have been more outside interest because Chris Kuzin and the Morton Bay goalkeeper made a couple of good saves in that game. But I maintain my theory yeah. was sound. This this game on Saturday night could be really should be really really good. It's two teams who, as a burgeoning rivalry, there after what happened in the cup last year, what happened in the grand final. Obviously, it's a they they are they were the two best teams last year. They're two of the very best teams again this year, and it should be a fantastic game there at Lions Stadium. Yeah, look, the the interesting I think takeaway I want to see out of this is that how much have Olympic improved? Versus maybe, is there a thought that Lions may have devolved a little bit, you know, from their success from last season? No, I think that, that sets up a really fascinating, um, fascinating sort of game on Saturday night. And look, it, it head, head by it's probably the game of the year so far because we are going to learn a lot about this MPL competition, at least at the top end, after Saturday night. Yeah, for sure. Uh, some of the other fixtures as well. You got Pen Power against Southwest Queensland, Gold Coast hosting Western Pride, Morton Bay versus Magpies Crusaders. 
Brisbane City hosting the Brisbane Royal Youth, East against Gold Coast Knights, Sunshine Coast against Redlands, and the aforementioned Lions against Olympic. The other yeah. game out of that that I'm looking forward to seeing, though, is East against Gold Coast Knights. Yep, East have improved as the season has gone on, and they've picked up points. They're actually in the top six at the moment, I believe, so they're going really, really well. I'm actually interested in that game on Sunday between Sunshine Coast and Redlands. I do actually think that could be a really good test of exactly how far Sunshine Coast have improved, if they can really put Redlands away, and conversely, how far Redlands have fallen if they do get beaten convincingly by by the fire up there. And I guess the other game, I guess a week ago, would have been interesting to see where Brisbane City were going against mm-hmm. um, Raw Youth. I think that game now sort of slightly tips towards um, Brisbane City, but then again, you know, with a lot of young players, the Raw Youth seem to seem to match up well against them. So if the, if the defenders can contain Solzano and Edgar, that might also be a very good game. And we have seen some very good games in the past at Spencer Park. And I should also say, just quickly on Solzano, as first mentioned by uh, Simon Smale, I think on this show, yep. when I was filling in for Adam, and again, when I was doing the uh, Lion City game with him, Solzano looks fit. He does. He does look nice. very, very fit. The way he took his goal on Saturday night shows that as well. He's, I wouldn't say he's back to his best, because his best in the A-League was superb, but... By MPL level, he's probably at the best we've seen him in that he, How did be- you guys go with the numbers on the City jerseys, oh, by the way? When they're geez. about five metres away from you, they're pretty good. And then the further away they get, they're ridiculous. And the sweatier they get, the worse oh, it is yeah, as well. Yeah, they are ridiculous. <laughs> please, go back to the white numbers, please, for us on the media at least. <laughs> and <laughs> everyone on the, on the TV. Yeah, yes, that's right. All right. That's going to be for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this with a news and weekend preview. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back with the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. You know how to get in contact with us. Facebook Raw Review. We're still trying to change that to Brisbane Football Review. It's a long story. Twitter, at BNE Football. And email for any comments, questions, topics you want us to discuss on the show um, is brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. What is it now? Episode 104? So I think that would be Adam's 90th, give or take? Yay! Nervous 90s. Something like that, yeah. The long wait for you to get to the century. Yeah, I know. That'll be in the early part of uh, next season when I we're doing FA, FFA Cup and pre-season I still, stuff. I still, the reasons why I'm, I'm so far behind you guys, I still take that over. <laughs> oh yeah, I would too, to be honest. Adam, yeah. in case you're just listening for the first, second, third or fifth time, uh, Adam loves to take holidays during the A-League season and... <laughs> As we were just discussing off-air, I think we're all ready for a I holiday after this season. I think we should put a break on season. that, though. Pardon? Mid-season holidays. We should put a put a ban on that, I think. Can we not? Because I'm planning... So that's the first to be on holiday for an age. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, can we be pretty careful with that? Because I'm planning a trip for my 30th in November, so... <laughs> anyway, move on. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. We, yeah, we should move on, because we've got quite a bit of uh, yeah. news to get through. Yeah. Rebel at the start of the season we said we're just going to try and limit it to the three big stories well <laughs> yeah. good luck with that <laughs> yeah. this week I don't think that's really <laughs> I don't think that's week. really possible no um, coaching update Fox is saying Robbie Fowler is a front runner and could be appointed this week um, well I don't think it's going to yeah. come this week because we're recording Wednesday evening at yeah. the moment and I can't see him getting announced Friday morning when the side is in yeah. Melbourne preparing to play City I would yeah. imagine that it's not going to be this week now that you're entering match day minus one, which is your key preparation and travel day. I don't think they're going to want to um, take too much spotlight off their actual game this weekend, but maybe Why not? Early, it's Melbourne City. Maybe early next week, but Fox has been at the big run this week, haven't they? Obviously, on Sunday shootout, Cosmina was talking about it, and Phil, Mo- Phil Moss and Mike Bosnich had a debate about it on 
Hospital and Bolson, I think, Monday night. It's becoming more and more of a topic down there. So I don't know if they've been told something or if they're just going off the reports or what, but yeah, it seems to be heading in that out. direction, doesn't it? Yep, certainly. Um, won't talk much, too much about Robbie Fowler because I'm pretty sure we discussed this at length last sure. week. And if he does sure. get hired, we are going to need to probably do yeah. one of those emergency sure. pods like we did when... Um, John Aloisi left. Yeah. I'm sure Adam Newman fans got a lot to say about Robbie Fowler. Oh, look. It's hang on. <laughs> hang on. I've, just got to, I've got to write down the points that I need to... Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, look, I guess you agree that, you know, at the moment, it's it's all speculation. It's all, look, let's just wait for the announcement. I think at the end of the day, I, I think there's too many people that have credible, that are very credible saying that this is going to happen. I think we should prepare ourselves that this, he is the front runner. But you never say never until he is in front of, he signed that contract... He's not the coach. Darren Davies is the interim coach at the moment. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, and you know, uh, I'll deal with that later. Uh, one player, <laughs> one player that is part of the roar at the moment is Eric Bortiak, and he's reportedly had secret discussions with Melbourne Victory, according to SBS's Dave Lewis, who he's a fantastic writer. I'm not sure how much of it fits into fiction and non-fiction, but. <laughs> Well, uh, no, I think considering some of the stories he's There's had... There's a pretty fair to... slant in one direction yeah. on this, actually. Yeah. Um, well, look, I, you know, I don't know if Bortiak's going to want to follow the um, Bessart Barisha plan of moving closer to closer to home and winding up down in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, look, look suppose for a second that now Dave Lewis is on to something, and that's a big if. That I, I think it, it, the point that needs to be made is that this is the, I guess, the downside of taking your time, being thorough, trying to find, you know, find the right coach because this is where, this is where it's going. You know, Eric Bortiak is not the first person this week, as we're about to allude to as well, another report that, you know, players are starting to get very impatient. And I say, when I say players, probably through their agents, are getting very impatient about their future because they don't know where they stand, depending on who the coach is going to be. And, and this, like I said, at this point, you know, you got to start wondering how long is too long for the Raw to make a decision on their future well, of, the, of the coach. And I guess the future direction of the club in general. Well, let's hear what uh, Darren Davies had to say about that. all I can say from my point of view is that um, the boys have been fantastic with me um, to a man uh, we're in it together and I've always said that right from the off and um, you know I'll do as much as I can to help them to you know help secure another contract whatever it is moving forward each and every one of them individually whatever their motivation is individually I'll try and help them until the end of the season It is, Mark. All you're right. You know, in that um, we wh- wh- when we speak, when we speak, everything we speak about is what we can affect. Um, so we can affect what how we train, 
um, you know, how we play, uh, we can affect those. The other things, we can't affect at this moment in time. So, um, you know, we just have to really, really focus on the things that we can affect. And of course, you know, I, of course it affects people, but, you know, I want to support the players and the club as well. You know, so, you know, the, the, the players, yes, they, they are there together and they have to, and they have to do everything they can to help secure their futures, yes. The club are in the, are in the process of appointing a new head coach and um, you know, when they have a successful candidate, I'm sure they'll come out and, uh, and, and, and announce it. And that was Darren Davies there. And, you know, mm. I, I don't blame the players for being too, mm. upset, too yeah. upset or anxious, just yeah. wanting to know what exactly is going on. But if Bortiaki is going to stay in the A-League, does it have to be Melbourne victory? Well... It probably does have to be on victory because every raw player goes down there. But for me, I completely understand the frustration because there are, I think it's 18 players out of contract and a lot of them probably are receiving some level of interest around the A-League from rival clubs because it's it's that time of the year where agents who have players out of contract are shopping their players around to see what's out there. And you can't, the raw can't offer anything at the moment or they're not willing to offer anything until they get the coach sorted out, which is fair enough. But we're into, what, the fourth month of now looking for this for the search? I mean... I can completely understand the frustration. That's actually one thing that um, Adam and I were talking about before you got here, Scott, okay. where it was one of the good things about signing uh, Dylan Wenzel Hall, so that contract extension, yeah. because you get the feeling he would be one of the hot commodities yeah. if he was, in fact, going onto the open market. Yeah, look, and the thing is that it's exacerbated more than any other year at the moment, because at the moment, by I think the unofficial count, I think it's 15 spots at Western United that need to be filled. Mm. That, and that's just of what we know. Then obviously we don't know what the other nine, other nine clubs are doing. So there, there is even within the A League itself, there is a big market at the moment. So if you don't know what you're going to do because the, your current employers are still trying to figure out what the direction is, and look, no matter who it is, the the club is going to go off into a di- different direction as a result of who they hire as the head coach, and I and that would be making a lot of players anxious. You know, as far as, you know, where their future lies. You know, it'd be like any job. If you don't know what direction you're going, you're going to start looking yeah. around. So I completely <laughs> understand. I understand both sides. I understand that the Raw need to do their due diligence and because they, they need to get this, this appointment right. Whether it's where people agree or not, they've got to get it right to their satisfaction. But then you can also understand the players are also going to get a bit antsy about where their future lies because the next coach would come in and say, no, I'm not, yeah. I don't think you're a good player. You can leave, and the market and the market could yeah. be closed by then. And the opportunity, so yeah. you can you can understand, but especially a player like Eric Botiak, who there's only so many clubs that probably could fit him under the salary cap or or you know, fit him within their system and all that. So I hear him especially, you know, the, these marquee players that want to stay in Australia. Obviously, you know, he, there's going to be a lot of anxiety about trying to figure out, okay, either is he going to start with the raw, yeah. or whether he moves on. It's also limiting for players from rival clubs as well who might be interested in moving to Brisbane or even using the raw as leverage for negotiations. They can't do that at the moment because the raw can't offer them, can't be seen to be offering them a deal because of the coach. And with Wenzel Hall, as you mentioned, I think that's one that no matter who the coach is, the club is probably one that goes, no, we want him here. He's a young player. He's emerged through the Queensland ranks. He's a fan favourite. Whoever the coach is, we want him to be involved. So that's probably why he received his deal as a unique case. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, moving on to the next story, uh, which is another player who could potentially be on yeah. the move. Uh, fullback slash winger, Dane Ingham, has been linked with a move to Perth Glory. Brisbane saying he's a required player, though. I also have no real issues with this for Dane Ingham's point of view because, again, he's looking around, he's thinking, how much playing time am I getting here? I mean, he's been... 
since he's made his debut a couple of years ago, he hasn't really been able to bed down any position. And there's been opportunity for it this year with both the fullback positions, with injuries there consistently. He hasn't been able to bed down either position. Maybe he's looking at it like, I need a fresh start. I don't want to stay here, be happy on a contract, part of a squad playing 5-10 games a year. I want to go somewhere where I can play more regularly. I don't know if Perth's that place, by the way. But I understand that point. Because you look at other young players in the Royal squad. Joe Coletti, he is, he's fallen off since coming through. Even Nick D'Agostino has fallen off to a certain extent. Got an opportunity early on. Hasn't been able to really bed that down. So I can understand to a certain extent why why Daningham wants to move on potentially. But from the Raw's point of view, he's one I think you have to keep with the versatility he provides. In an A-League squad where there's squad limits and salary caps all the rest of it, having a player who can play three or four positions, that's vital. Look, I think, I think also as well, the, the standard response from Shane Stefanello when he was asked by yeah. Marco Monteverdi about that was, you know, he's a required player. Yeah. I would say that every player under contract yeah. the Raw are a required player because of the uncertainty of where future goes. You, know, you want new coach to come in with at least some players, especially yeah. when you have 16, 17 players off contract. Yeah. You want to know you've at least got a few there left. Now, you've got the list of actually off contract players as well, haven't you, Scott? Yeah, it's the list. I think I shared it out today, actually. So if you look on our Twitter account, BNE Football, it is up there again today. But yeah, it's a long, extensive list. I will say it is a list of purely confirmed deals. There's a lot of rumours stuff that's happened. We don't include that. Facts only, not opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, facts, Drew Sherman moved to Melbourne. Victory is confirmed, so it seems like he's got gotten a bit of a promotion to go down to the victory. No, oh, look, we'll say it again when we when we sort of uh, noticed it quote, on his Twitter. Yeah, I was going to say he broke the story, yeah. but no, I don't think we can take that much credit for it. Um, yeah, look again, I, I think it's a, a good move for Melbourne Victory. Not that we like to Damn give them. too much praise to that organisation, but look, he will be a fine asset to them. And look, I think as well in the in the junior sphere where they seem to fall behind Melbourne City as far as their junior development, I think Drew's going to go a long way yeah. trying to address that balance. Yeah. General Manager Technical and Academy is his official title, so a bit of a promotion for him. Cool. All right. Um, Emlyn Wellsmore named in the 33-play New Zealand under-20 training camp ahead of the World Cup. Congratulations to him. Mm-hmm. The Raw W League begin pre-season training, minus a lot of the, I suppose, top-line players who are off in the NWSL yeah. playing well, elsewhere. I, I, just, I, I read this story the other day, and I'm, it's hard to imagine how many that actually ever train. Like, yeah. uh, because I said a lot, of, a lot of players are away, you know, overseas, or, you know, on international duty or in the NWSL. NWSL, you know, and whatnot. But I guess I, I suppose it's a play, and there's a number of players are playing in the yeah. NPL. I imagine the NTC girls are in training mm. with some of the best of the NTC girls and the players who are playing around the competition in the NPLW, like your Natalie Tathams, Alira Tobies, etc. Might have to go through that, um, those Facebook photos and just work out, okay, who's there that we recognise? That sounds <laughs> like something you can do tomorrow. You'd think so, but I'm busy tomorrow. One player who won't be there is Jenna McCormick, who won the AFLW Grand Final as part of the Adelaide Crows, so congratulations to her and the rest of the Adelaide Crows, I guess. But nah, that's... Yeah, nah, we... we're really <laughs> interested in one part of that. Congratulations, Jenna. The rest, I, yeah, I did. Well. No, I did notice, though, because uh, I was watching that on Saturday yeah. at work, and I did notice, though, when they were doing that team photo with the trophy... Right there next to yeah. it. So good on her, get, making yeah, sure it gets... Absolutely. And important from a football perspective, I believe back playing for Fulham United yes. in the NPL Women's in South Australia this weekend. So there we straight go. back to the round ball game. No rest. No rest at all. Um, we've got a few big stories to touch on as well. And look, we're not going to spend too much time on the City v. Raw game because I think we all know how that's going to go. But... Yeah, uh, Raw 8-0. <laughs> I've, got, I've actually got a good stat for you coming okay. up on that. Yep. Uh, Sydney Morning Herald, Channel 10 is going to be big for 
bid for A-League free-to-air rights for next season, which yeah. is a big development, especially if they wind yeah. up getting two games on mm. and give it you know, a good bit of promotion. Because yeah. as it turns out, Foxtel has been essentially buying the time and mm. keeping the, most of the advertising yeah. revenue. And that two-year deal they did where they're buying the, t- the slot on one HD or whatever it's called these days is um, finishing the end of this season. So there is an opening there if, if 10... And if they can come to some sort of agreement to that to be bought by Channel 10, because the problem is, 10 have no incentive to promote the league at the moment, because they get no revenue from any viewers who watch it on their channel, because it goes straight back to Foxtel. If 10 now purchase the rights to broadcast it, all of a sudden, you have a free-to-air network with an incentive to promote the league, and given the way the league's been promoted this year, that could only help. Any promotion yeah. is good promotion, and I do also want to point out Perth on Saturday night as well, getting what 17,000 and change to yeah. a game because like they really promoted it yeah and that's just what it comes down to it's exposure and um, look uh, again you know 10 might not be your traditional you know soccer network as they as you'd say but uh, look any any content on free to wear which is available yeah. to everyone um, and I think promoted, is, yeah. and promote I yeah. think is a good thing and look I, I I hope that they can actually get something that's what say Foxtel are doing a bad job it just yeah. You need exposure because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, subscription television only reaches so far. And also, I think the fact that you're seeing subscription numbers going down as well. Because I think, mm. how many people do we know that had Foxtel and then scrapped it yeah. because they lost the Premier League and the Champions yeah. League? Yeah. By the way, FA Cup semi-finals on ESPN this weekend. Oh, they good. just announced that today. Oh, good. That's at least good. we see something because we haven't seen anything in the FA Cup so far. I can watch I Man United. No, I can't. They're out. But anyway. <laughs> uh, it is interesting because remember when 10 first picked up the alley rights through Fox, we wondered why would 10... Would it go onto Channel 10, main channel at some point? Well, this explains why it's not, because Fox have only purchased the, the time slot on... I think it's called 10 Boss now. I think I called it one earlier, but it's yeah. 10 Boss. 10 Boss, yeah. Yeah, so they've only purchased the spot on 10 Boss. Obviously, if they're going to purchase the spot on Channel 10, that would be extra. Yep. So that, that would probably be why it's only been on 10 Boss to this point. And just quickly, I do want to touch on what slots they're going to actually potentially bid for. Now, they say it's going to be two games per weekend. I hope for... Our, our sake as well, because Chantan obviously needs summer sport. They lost the Big Bash, so uh, we could wind up with... Uh, we could wind up, I hope, with the Saturday night feature game always, and maybe have that second game as a bit of a floating option. So yeah. occasionally you get the Friday night game, occasionally you get the early Saturday game, or even the Sunday 4pm yeah. or Sunday 6pm game. The 4pm game is one I was thinking of, because Sunday night news on those free, free-to-air yeah. commercial networks, that's a big night for news, typically. If you can get something that's going to give a good lead into that news coverage for you, that might be really good. I understand that 10's news is 5 o'clock on, on Sunday. That's a bit of a problem, but... And considering daylight yeah. saving, that's 5 o'clock yeah. Sydney time kickoff as well. But that, if you could get a lead into that, that would probably be their ideal preference. Or get the news as a lead into the A-League. <laughs> that works. That works too. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's just it's just something that, you know, we yeah. throw around just thinking it's about It's encouraging, it. though, because there's yeah. a lot of doom and gloom stories about the A-League out there. We might get to one in a minute, but... To hear that there is a free-to-air network and a, a main free-to-air network with some interest is encouraging. Yeah, like I said, the thought was that you know that, that potentially the Yale League and the sort of the related leagues, as we're about to touch on, was going to be um, like I said, it was heading towards a streaming path. You know, with the emergence of KO and obviously a lot of the other you know sort of you know Amazon Prime and Twitter Sports and all that and Optus. Yeah. Obviously, so the fact that a free-to-air network is still interested, you know, I guess it gives some positive, you know, about the, you know, the potential of the league. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of um, bundling rights as well, um, 
that was one of the new league's working group recommendations uh, as well, making sure that they feel like the in a direct competitor, the NBL kind of... Uh, I, I think they say made a mistake not bundling their rights together and selling it off in individual parcels, which is actually something I've suggested hmm. the A-League look into yeah. as well, but they feel like that's clearly not the way forward and it's all or nothing. Now, I should also point out, 10 is actually owned by uh, CBS yep. from the US now, so I'm hoping we get Jim Nance and Tony Romo out here for a game. That works for me. They Tony did a fantastic Romo's job in the Super Bowl. He's not going to go back out of retirement like a certain other Dallas Cowboy? Probably not, no. Okay. But <laughs> Anyway. Yes. Well, you get Simon Hill calling one game and, to- and Jim Nance doing the other one. That the dream team. Well, with Tony Romo's analysis in the State Super Bowl, he could do a fantastic job analysing the A-League, I'm sure of it. I'm pretty sure Tony Romo could, you know, predict the yeah. uh, grand final winner now. But anyway, yeah, some of the other uh, New League Working Group recommendations, Scott? Uh, you're throwing to me, are you? Yes. You I thought it. it was interesting. I mean, the one thing that did come out was the fact that the, there was a real emphasis on the, the fact that Fox have a problem with the direction of the league and that they really want to address that and... That was something. That was a big thing I took out of it. The fact that to be fair, Fox isn't the only one with a problem with no, the but the fact that they were really looking for changes to be made. That was one of the big things I took out of it. What a lot of the recommendations there weren't to me that really stood out. To be honest, I mean, it's nothing that we haven't heard suggested before. Yeah, it was nothing really new. I only really flicked through the report last night briefly, but there wasn't anything really that stood out in terms of that we haven't really seen before. A lot of what we covered with the APFCA report a couple of weeks ago. This kind of really backed that up. But they are they do seem pretty set on the way forward for an A League for the A League is to go independent and yeah. let the clubs run it themselves but and let the clubs take yeah. over their own IP and everything the and June let them 30, market themselves. So the June 30 mm. deadline is interesting as well because that means you're probably looking at now so looking ahead to the next season you probably can't expect to draw until July if this is going to go to June 30 they're giving this that long for independence to be agreed that's cutting into the off season significantly so it may very well be a Later start promotion for the new league. It could be, year. but look, better if that's what it takes that long to yeah. figure this stuff out. Look, it might I not think take that long. I think that yeah. It, look, I suppose independence at the end of the day, it could change in a day as such. You know, yeah. you change the rules. I think the the big the bigger more peripheral things like the second division and all that. I think we really know the timeline will most likely be the end of next season before we really see some stride moves on that. So, look, I think at the end of the day, it's, it, it, there are going to be obviously some effects. But, um, yeah, look, I think the most important thing is they just need to sort out, you know, the whole weather independence because that does change the game significantly in a lot of ways. I know we were talking off air, uh, James and I, before about, you know, what happens if there's no salary cap and are some clubs, in, a, in the way that they are recruiting now at the moment, are they trying to get a step ahead to in case there is no salary cap or a much higher salary cap than what is at the moment. To be fair, that club has treated the salary cap as a suggestion rather than a hard cap in the past. <laughs> yeah. You think about Central Coast Mariners here? <laughs> that, that's the other end yeah. of the scale. <laughs> yes. But there's... Yeah. I suppose it's just... For me, that big reminder that there is still a lot to be excited about going forward with the A-League yeah, and yeah. for all the, you know, social media doom and gloom that, you know, you yeah. love to get. I think it shows there is still a future for this. It's just a case of it might have stayed stagnant as the marketplace goes forward, and yeah. I think now they need to try and catch up to where it is. But it's the classic case of you standing still, you're going backwards yeah. because everyone else. Look, is I, I think forward. I think at the end of the day, as much as a lot of those people on soccer, if we do loathe it, is that 
it, the A-League seems to continue to follow that path of what the MLS was, you know, maybe a decade ago. That you know, And uh, look, I, I, I'm pragmatic to the fact that I think that the A-League at the moment is suffering just big growing pains at the moment. It, it's probably too big to what the original vision was and needs to be better, but probably we're not there yet as far as the grandiose plans to really put it in the front yeah. light. So I think it's just they've just got to work through it no, and, and I think eventually we'll get there. It's just a matter of, um, yeah, just being making the right steps now. And probably playing the, paying the price for playing it a little yeah. bit safe over the last few years, going, okay, let's just consolidate what we have. Because they had those yeah. missteps in yeah. the past with, you know, Gold Coast United, North Queensland Fury expansion that maybe didn't go the way that they would have hoped. The MLS comparison is a really good one too because it's about the time, and this is about the time in the MLS development when they start thinking, we yeah. need boutique teams, we need to expand, we need to think about... Promotion relegation, they haven't got that far yet, but this is about that time where they, in their history, when they started to look at these issues and, and I tell you what, they have a three hundred million dollar, three hundred million people population yeah. and a massive economy to, to help them do that. We don't quite have those resources, so it might take a bit longer for Australian football to to reach that. But this is about the time where you start looking around along those lines. Yeah, yeah, mm. and this is actually just I was looking up a story that came out on um, SBS earlier this afternoon yep. with. Uh, Suggested model for the future of Australian football that had, you know, I'd say about 70% of things that looked really good and the other 30%, which I would say still need a little bit of work. You want to focus on the good here or all the stuff that we need to Well, actually, no, I'm going to go on this uh, story that got posted five minutes ago. A-League players and clubs have called on football's warring factions to make a deal for an independent competition before July. There you go. PFA chief John DeLuke. Did Luca. Yep. 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 Said there was no room to go slow on an inevitable reform for the game. Biggest concern for me is gridlock. If we do nothing and are rud- aimless and rudderless with where this process will go, the game will grind to an absolute halt. And yeah, honestly, I'm. Yeah, I think something needs to change for next season because, especially if you get that free to air broadcast deal, where you know you got a Friday night game, a Saturday night game, or you got two games on free to air per week, you want to make sure you, like you're putting your best possible product forward. Yeah. Absolutely, do you? You have to at that point because we saw SBS when they first got the rights, the product was okay and then it stagnated away again. And they had to move it to the secondary channel because it didn't rate well enough for them. So if it, it is going to be on a free-to-air network, you have to provide a compelling product for people to watch. Yes, you need something better than Married at First Sight. So I'm thinking we could probably get the under 18. I was going to say the three of us could find eight people down the park to be better than that. <laughs> Provide a bit, yeah. Uh, if, I, if I could get 1.3 million people to watch it. Yeah, well, that'd be good. Um, quick mention as well. Uh, soccer is play Korea, South Korea in June away. So to be confirmed. That's another, another Dave Lewis story. Okay. But I have heard that mentioned elsewhere as well. Yep, and the Matildas will be in action on Friday morning Australia time at Dick's Sporting Goods Park in Commerce City, Colorado. But Dick's Sporting Goods went out of business. Oh, that must yeah, be another not, one. Not in Colorado, they didn't. No, that could Still be... sponsoring a field in Colorado, obviously. Mm. Yeah, well, so did the uh, company that sponsors. You talking about Modell's Bron- Sport Goods? That That's probably what I'm thinking yeah. of, Mo- Modell's, yeah. I remember going to... Looking Is for that the by the same guy who used to own the Cleveland Browns? No, because it wouldn't have gone out of business. It would have just packed up and left to another city <laughs> in the middle of the night. I was going to say, sucked in if it is. <laughs> One for the NFL fans there. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Dick Sporting Good Parks, yes. Uh, Commerce City, Colorado, 12.30pm, Friday 5th of April on Fox Sports, and I believe SBS. I yeah. believe so. I'm not 100% sure. This, this is a big, big game. Um, 
looking at the um, US squad, it is um, they're at full tilt. I think both teams are taking it as their final dress rehearsal for the World Cup. Um, look, one thing that hasn't been sort of um, sort of looked at is if those who know geography, I think uh, the altitude might be a factor as well. And I think that's the reason why that the Matildas have been in camp up there to get acclimatised because um, yeah, that, that could pose a few um, issues in itself, I think. It very well could be. So it wouldn't be the first time a team from Denver gets an advantage because of the conditions up there with the higher altitude. But it is also interesting... The Matildas will be training over there in the week after, I believe, as well. well. We have a training camp afterwards in preparation for the World Cup. So this is a really crucial week or so here for the team going ahead to that World Cup in France. Well, just quickly talking about the conditions in Colorado as well. Like, I'll just share a story from the NFL because... Here comes when the Patriots lost. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, Denver's a house of horrors for them. But anyway, I, I do want, think it's worth mentioning, like, you know, Bill Belichick, the coach who's pretty adamant about getting preparation right. Denver is, I think, one of the only places to actually fly out to two days before a game. Normally, they'll fly the Saturday to play Sunday. But uh, in other cases, like, they've flown out Thursday or even Friday. So that altitude is going to probably be a really good test for them as well. And you would hope that Ante Milicic gets them uh, all ready to go. I think think we can accept, as far as we're going to look through the prism of, you know, just sheer result... Um, look, I think, you know, a 1-0 defeat is... Negative. Uh, well, look, it's, look, at the end of the day, this is the number one team in the world. Yeah. And, look, you, you, again, you're looking for, for you know, performance over result. But you could probably accept a narrow loss or a draw. I think a uh, big win either, either way... I think you don't want you don't yeah. want the Matildas to absolutely smash them because I think that might breed a bit of overconfidence. Yeah. But also as well, you don't want US to run absolutely yeah. right and and pummel them four or five nil either. Yeah. So which I don't think will happen based on you know recent history. But I think um, it's a very very it's a it's a crucial moment as far as the World Cup preparation goes, and we're going to see as well the whole anti Milicic you know against quality opposition how he handles it yeah I know we're going to move on to the A-League preview but this is the last couple of times they've played the US they obviously won two years ago to win the Tournament of Nations they really could have could have won last year when they played them again a last minute equaliser you're looking for another really close performance you want to hold you want to be close to USA because if you're, if you're holding them close you'll be right there in the mix yeah. in June, July when you want to be and, and that's good, the level that you want to see yourself yeah. on and good luck to the Raw girls obviously yep. in that yes. squad more so than the non-rural girls. Absolutely. Yeah. Not that we're biased or, or anything, but <laughs> Brisbane Roar are going to travel down to Melbourne City to play uh, in the A-League this Friday night, and of course we think the Roar are going to win 8-0, right? That's, I believe I called that earlier, didn't I? Exactly, Scott. That's yeah. him. That's, <laughs> I I, no, look, it, City's a really weird one, because just before the international break, they had a great form to way to sit in here and see where they picked up three points, and they come out of the international break... And they go back to Sydney and lose to the Wanderers in a pretty dreadful performance. They're just a team; they are impossible to predict week from week. They just—they could be—they could win this game comfortably. They could lose at home. Anything could happen with that team. They're just impossible to predict. You know who they actually remind me of is uh, your Premier League team, Adam Everton. You, oh. don't, you don't know if you, what team you're going to get. Jeez. Oh, and insult everyone like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, actually, no, actually, to be fair, that's actually a you know, good assessment because um, Melbourne City, you just don't know what you're going to get. Like, it's, they're, as Scott said, they're, they're almost impossible to read. You know, they, there's every chance this game could be a 4-3 thriller as much as a dour and boring nil draw. I think, I think I'm think leaning more towards the lower scoring end of that spectrum, yeah, personally. Yeah. Cause, now, the stat that I promised before... Mm. Okay. So... 
Central Coast have scored five goals in three games against Brisbane. Yep. Every... Well, hang on, what is it? Let me get the maths right. Seven other A-League clubs have scored an average of two goals per game or more against the Raw, including the victory, which I think have averaged, what is it, 3.3 goals per game against the Raw? Yeah, Costa Barbarossa has only got two goals. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Melbourne City has scored one goal in two games against the Brisbane Raw this season. In the A-League, I do know there was the FFA Cup tie before. That was nil all anyway. After 90 minutes. Yeah, after 90 minutes. Yes, so... Melbourne City yeah. scored one goal, so I'm going. I'm thinking Melbourne City are going to find a way to jag this one nil or two nil. Well, I'll give you an offset. Brisbane Raw kept two clean sheets all season long. One was against Melbourne City, the other was against Wellington Phoenix. So they might very well keep a third clean sheet here. All right, so that's Scott's pick for this game. I'll go with one nil for to Brisbane here in this game because I'm not even sure if Jamie McLaren. The former Raw player is going to play. He didn't play against the Wanderers. I don't know if he's going to play this week or not. But uh, Daily Football Show did say earlier today that he it looks like he's going to go after playing it safe. Okay. So that was, I believe, Joey Lynch. Yeah. Just yeah. If, you ta- if you take Jamie McLean out of that side, they struggled for goals before he got there. He's really been the main outlet since he did get there. If he's not available, it's a question of where are the goals are going to come from for Melbourne City. I know the Raw defensively haven't been in great shape themselves, but... City haven't really troubled teams without Jamie McLaren, so it's a really good opportunity here for the Raw to challenge to compete with a team who will play finals because I don't think Newcastle can catch them after their meltdown at the weekend. So City will make finals by default at this point, but without Jamie McLaren this weekend, the Raw have a chance. Uh, looks like we'll be playing though. So this is Joey oh, Lynch's story on he's Daily He's playing Football. after all that build-up. Saying he's not going to play. He's going to play. It's my first concussion. The City striker said, "Disappointing that it happened so late in the week. Obviously, a protocol you have mm. to take." say take seriously it was unfortunately I missed the game but I'm raring to go for Friday it was just a ball to the face from an errant Kieran Backer shot so he's now going to play and score a hat-trick great yeah we'll see anyway so that's what we're all expecting Friday night watch and enjoy the game I guess <laughs> the last away game of the season for the Brisbane Raw three home games to finish the season after that this is the last time they'll play away from home until July in the cup potentially and hopefully not until October or even November in the A-League. He's hoping. Yes. All right. That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Adam, Scott, thank you. Yeah, thanks, See you again, James, Adam. Yep. Um, yeah, watch the Raw Friday night, then get out and enjoy the local football this weekend. There's plenty of action on, especially that uh, grand final rematch. I was going to say, if not doing anything, Lions Saturday night, it's going to be an epic game. Where will you two be Saturday? I uh, will be at Lions. There's a doubleheader, actually. The MPLW clashes Lions v South. That'll also be a fantastic game between two yep. teams who made the semifinals last year. And I will be doing my best to follow on the FQ live stream from my niece's eighth birthday party. Oh, good. Hmm. Yes, yeah, so happy birthday, Jess. Enjoy the football this weekend. We'll be back next Wednesday to recap it all and look ahead to the upcoming weekend. Thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Brisbane Football Review.